0: Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I've just put together episode 55 of the Lessons From Lost podcast. 55, that's brilliant. Who are you talking to this week? A lovely lady called Sarah Van Teel. And what's Sarah's story? Well she shares how reading the grief recovery handbook helped her find acceptance with her life in a new country. That sounds interesting. are there porcupines in this new country? I'm not sure. Do you get a Dutch porcupine? Let's find out shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly what we learn from them that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I chat with a different guest. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their very personal experiences and also the impact that hearing these stories may have on you the listener so please take care as you listen. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with Sarah Van Til, who moved from the UK to the Netherlands 11 years ago. This was with her family in a planned career move for her husband. But it was only when her mum died earlier this year and she picked up and started to read the grief recovery handbook to help with the grief of losing her mum, that she realised just how much she had lost and not really dealt with in the move to a new country. So welcome, Sarah, all the way from the Netherlands with the wonder of technology and negotiating time differences. How are you today?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, I've got a, um, a a very rainy day in the Netherlands today.
0: Oh, well, fairly similar to us. It's not raining quite at this moment, but it certainly has been this week a lot. <laughs> so the grief recovery book is a is a you know it's an excellent guide and process for working through grief and i've used it myself um don't have a copy anymore because i lent it to a friend and and not had it back yet so uh, um but it's yeah certainly i found it really really useful and we'll go into that i'm sure in a bit more detail but before we do that how was it for you in the first few years of moving to the netherlands sort of before you realised that there, there were all these losses associated for it. Were you aware of being unsettled?
1: Um, no, I wasn't aware of being unsettled at all. I moved over... Um, my kids were at the time 10, uh, 9 and 3, uh, and my husband always wanted to live abroad. So it was always in my being with my husband that we would live somewhere. And I thought, oh, the Netherlands, at least it's close to the UK, and uh, that sounds uh, doable. And my husband is also half Dutch, and the kids had Dutch passports. So, you know, it was opening a new chapter for them to find their sort of Dutch Dutch culture. They couldn't speak Dutch. Um, I couldn't speak Dutch and my husband was uh, bilingual. And so it was a huge um, adventure for us. Um, I was in a quite a senior job in England and it was a way out. You know, I could go, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> um, and we just renovated a house. It wasn't an ideal time to move, but um, uh, I thought... Uh, I, I really felt, let's do this. Uh, my husband was excited about his job. Uh, I've always wanted, been intrigued about the Netherlands. And so, yeah, I was full, fully in and excited to move and didn't really think much more about it. When we, um, when we when when we we got here, there wasn't a place, I couldn't find anywhere to live because uh, they didn't do rental in the same way as they do in the UK. Uh, and it became apparent that we we're probably going to have to buy a house and renovate. Um, and so we ended up living in centre parks for six months. Oh, wow. Uh, I bet
0: the kids loved that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite to the standard of the centre parks in the UK. It was oh, okay. more concrete uh, than that. But uh, yeah, it gave us a base and uh, we I renovated a house and navigated a build uh, within the first year um, wow. and got quite immersed into, I guess, found a, a quite a, a, a nice expat community around me as well. Uh, but the first year is always really busy with first getting your home and getting the kids into schools and then the clubs. And so you're really busy for that first year, just getting the family set up, really.
0: Yes, yeah, I can imagine. Gosh, and negotiating a, a house build as well. I mean, that's quite a big big project to take on in uh, you know in the country that you that you're familiar with with all the regulations and, and tradesmen and everything. So at what point, I mean, were were you was it really sort of until you started reading the handbook that you that you realised that there was these elements of of loss and was it only sort of on that reflection back that they became clear?
1: Um, um, It certainly uh, brought it home to me when I uh, read that book over the summer uh, because in the grief recovery handbook there's a process where you draw a line over your life and you put the positives and negatives and I think it asks you to look at your coping mechanisms or changes in behaviour at certain points and I just had this sort of shocking sort of 10, 11 year thing where it was all quite negative. I was uh, drinking quite a lot of wine and I was hiding in my house a lot um, and I'm like oh okay that's telling because it wasn't kind of my experience of living in the Netherlands but clearly when I look back on my life my behaviour had changed and I hadn't noticed it myself um when i first arrived um i got i was excited about learning dutch and uh, and uh, sort of what is there in the netherlands um and everything and i and then you kind of realize it's quite difficult to 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 learn a language you know you've got all the verb the changes and everything it's not that easy you can get but you can absorb quite a lot in the first three months you can navigate the supermarkets and uh, the school playground a little bit but actually to have a conversation in Dutch is quite um, uh, a big feat and I I, I guess it depends on how confident you are in uh, learning a language on how you're going to embrace that and I decided I wasn't going to learn, I, I I failed one exam, I, I passed the first year and then I failed the second exam and I thought I'm going to try and integrate in a different way. And I then joined the local hockey club and showed up through sport and that was great and it was a great motivator for me because I could, um, they all spoke Dutch to me and I could show my, my sort of skills uh, through on the hockey pitch. Um, and I'd also want to know what they were all talking about, so it was a motivator to learn the language as well. So that's sort of how I showed up, and that was quite, quite good. Um, but um, to be able to be a- to have a career in nursing, um, I was going to have to uh, really get the quite high-level Dutch exams to be able to learn nursing again, and... Um, and so you have to do your Dutch exams and then you have to do your retraining to be a nurse. And I I mean, I, I really thought, oh, how am I gonna navigate myself in the Netherlands? I had w- weird and wonderful ideas Maybe I can um, just look after people who have just died because then I don't have to speak the language and then I, I can still care for people. I was thinking, Sarah, are you really just uh, avoiding speaking Dutch or uh, is this really serious? But then you still had to do training in Dutch. So I guess the language was really quite um, a big thing uh, for me. But when read it when I read that book, um it began to make sense to me. My goodness me, uh, I arrived as a really confident person. and little by little, I think I lost touch with who I was. i I didn't really know how to identify myself speaking Dutch. I sounded different. I always used to think of myself, as sort of having a learning difficulty or something. When people would speak to me, I'd either stand as rabbit in headlights going, oh, I don't really know what they're talking about, but I Mm. didn't say anything. Or that I couldn't get across who I was or what I wanted to say. It was on a different subject and I didn't understand. And from being in a place where I was very confident with people and uh, in social settings, I was now... Sort of um, sat in the in the sidelines, sort of listening because I, I I couldn't join in because I didn't have the language and I didn't really and even if you could join in, you know the Dutch are really lovely, but they're very if you don't say the word precisely, they have no idea what you're talking about. So there was a lot of frustration um, trying to get uh, the language, and it knocks your confidence and it, I, I just didn't probably feel myself. My husband yeah. gave me very little sympathy. He was bilingual and thought it was all easy and just get on with it. And the kids also picked up language very easily because they were in school and they were immersed in it. So within six months, they were, they, they were fluent, but it didn't quite happen as quickly as
0: that for me. Yeah, um, and I suppose because you were you'd left your friendship circles behind then that that sort of erosion of confidence sounds like it was you know sort of quite slow and it just sort of was chipping away that probably because of that you didn't necessarily realize and also there was maybe nobody else to who was seeing you on a regular basis who perhaps noticed that you weren't as perhaps sociable or yeah just as sociable as as what you would be or what you have been in the uk uh
1: yeah i didn't have people to sort of say oh sarah you're not you know as you used to be or whatever because as an expat i mean you have a chance to create who you want to be you mm-hmm. can start all over again as well but with the expat community i you you do make some really great friends but it's a continual movement and i i, I I open myself up and they become your family, uh, because you have to rely on people to sort of survive where you are. Um, And so we made some really great uh, friends uh, as expats, but as an expat community, people leave. um, And there was an awful lot of loss in that, loss of those connections and loss of relationship. And I didn't realise how important some of those relationships were as well. So when I moved over, I lost connections with my sister and my brothers and my nieces and my parents, and they just think, oh, you're on this great adventure, and you are on, you know, on an adventure, but it's not until you pick up a grief recovery book and realize, oh my goodness, how could I have done that differently? You know, Mm. I missed out on, on a lot of, I could have done things a lot better, and I didn't have to lose the connections so much. I'd see my parents, they'd come over, you know, at a week at a time, maybe twice or three times a year, or I'd go back for Christmas every other year. Um, but it's not the same as, uh, as you know, popping in for, I don't know, Sunday lunch or something. And, yes, you have yeah. that. Uh, and also the traditions in the Netherlands, you can't get the same, you don't get... Sunday lunch here it, you get you know you more likely go and go and have a pancake or something <laughs> so you lose sort of the, the the those things that you grew up with really those family comforts of uh, of you know Sunday lunch with family or a get-together at a weekend with family and things and it doesn't feel the same um, so I guess you lose that as well but if you lose your if you begin to lose your confidence and your identity, then it also impacts on how you are as a mother to your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't find the fun things to do with your kids uh, that you used to be able to do in, in in England, and you can't do them here, you have to ha- really consciously think about it. And um, I didn't particularly feel like I was the same person as a as a wife either because I became codependent on my husband. Uh, because we'd moved over for his job. And for me to get a job, I thought the easiest way was to learn Dutch and then get a job as a nurse. But that took me 10 years. And I, it was it was a slow process. Um, and I don't realise how big an impact that had all had on me, really, and my family.
0: Was there a point at which things did start to Change for you, out because you're now because you are now working, aren't you in the in the Netherlands?
1: Yeah, I don't know how. I, uh, my my father uh, died eight years ago, and I'd had quite um, a time, sort of gr- not knowing really how to grieve him. I was pleased that he managed to die because he talks about dying for for uh, a couple of years, and they don't have euthanasia in the in England. They do actually in um, in okay. the Netherlands. But I was re- it was a sense of relief, but I also felt uh, a bit lost after the m- the death of my father. And everything, I felt probably I was a little bit depressed, if I'm honest. Everything was a bit grey and I had a lack of get up and go and everything. Um, and one day everything felt a lot better and I just said, right, Sarah, what are you going to do? And I decided to enrol in an intense Dutch course and get my uh, Dutch exams uh, so I was three days a week uh, going to do my my Dutch, and then I had four two-hour exams, which were really really grueling. People who were next to me, who have lived in the Netherlands all their life, and spoke spoke really good Dutch, found them really hard too. So there's a high bar, but I managed to pass them. And then I thought, oh crikey, I'm going to have to do the next part of my plan, which is to do my nurse my nursing. And I never felt that I'd be able to be as good a nurse as I was in a different language, you know, as I was in England. Um, but I thought I'm on this plan, I'm on this journey, and I, I did it, and I got my. It was a three-month nursing course, and I did my two, two two-hour exams, and then the pandem- pandemic pandemic uh, arrived, and they were calling for any nurses out there, and it was to be honest my golden ticket my husband had to work from home which meant the kids the kids were all okay and i went and i got a job uh, and they said yeah you you can come and shadow for the day and uh, we'll put you in the corona ward and uh, we'll start you off as a nursing assistant to see how you get on and then i could uh, become a nurse whenever i felt like it just to see how i navigated with my with my language and i did and it was incredible I mean, I wow, really, nobody really me the deep noticed um, because we all had mouse, uh, masks on and everything. So I could sort of hide behind, not knowing what people were saying by the mask, saying, Oh, I can't really hear you. And my nursing skills came back. And um, oh, it was amazing. Amazing teams. And uh, I felt as though my confidence probably came back again. And I felt a, a connection with who I was again.
0: I'm really good to hear a positive story coming out of that, that period of time. So how was it losing, you know, you said, you know, losing your dad was, was really hard when you were in the Netherlands. And then you'd lost your mum earlier this year. That must've been hard too, being over here Um, or rather, sort of over over there.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been living over here for 11 years and so I'd navigated dad and, uh, um, work were really amazing. I managed to get a zero hour contract with my work, uh, which meant that if my mum she had a brain tumour, so if my mum became ill, I could fly over. It was actually a lovely year. Although mum was ill, I got together with my siblings. I got together with my my brothers and my sister. And we all uh, pitched in together, and so I felt reconnected with my my brothers and sister over my mum, and she also. Uh, was moving house. So she got her brain tumour from selling her old house and buying a plot to build a house. (laughs) And uh, so we had a focus of getting her in the house and it was a positive thing as well. So it was a mission for all of us. So I actually look back on it as a really positive time of reconnection uh, with my brothers and my sister uh, and also with my mum and getting her in a house as well, it didn't mean that it was all about illness. It was also yeah. about finishing touching to the house and hadn't she done a wonderful job and, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, making it a comfortable place for her. So I have a real feeling of uh, a, a, a real uh, love and uh, comfort. And um, it's quite nice to think that she's now with my dad, back together with him. And uh, I don't know, I didn't feel... Uh, so much a loss of being over here i didn't feel distant but it wasn't until i i thought oh how am i going to navigate this navigate this grief because i don't want it to be the same as after mm-hmm. my dad and it's why i had uh, chosen to start life coaching because i wanted something to get my teeth into so that my mum knew about the journey i was going to be on and then i had something to carry me over for so i thought about this loss differently um, in a positive way and what was going to carry me forward.
0: So how did you come across the grief recovery handbook?
1: Well, through my life coaching, my buddy coach, um, she had done the grief recovery and found it really, really a helpful uh, process um, and said, oh, I've got the most amazing book and um, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about it, uh, but please just read it. And um, uh, it was it it was a it was life changing for me. I it made my, it put my life into perspective in the terms of loss. What are you? What have you lost? And a process to deal with that loss that you can, uh, you know, if it was to do with your mom, you could say, is it about lost opportunities? She won't come to my daughter's weddings in the future, or is it things that unfinished conversations that I wish I'd said or and you can you can channel your loss in so many different ways. Uh, so I found that book invaluable. It was amazing. But it wasn't until I looked back on a huge period in my life that I thought, My goodness, what have I lost? Uh, moving to the Netherlands, mm-hmm. I'm really happy here, but I didn't quite realise how much of my identity I had lost. And then, um, but through life coaching and through the one of many and living the change journey, I've done an awful lot of uh, looking back and putting things in perspective and putting into place and now I'm excited about living here and all the opportunities that the netherlands has to offer and if but if you don't feel connected and if you don't, don't feel as though you've got confidence and self-esteem living here then it's it's really difficult to navigate
0: so what advice would you give to somebody who was perhaps moving to a new country to um, be able to sort of settle in without maybe experiencing that depth or or length of time for the for that disconnect and yeah being i mean new.
1: look yeah looking back i mean i think language is the key um and also connecting with yourself speaking another language i would definitely invest in the language of your of your of your culture or the country that you're living in um it opens doors um to be able to communicate with just fellow humans where you're living is, yeah, there are many expats here that even after 15, 20 years have not picked up the language and they're still in sort of expat bubbles. And I don't think you can properly integrate into a country without learning the language, but also Uh, Don't forget the people, don't forget who you are and, you know, the people that you've left behind. How are you going to see those friends? How are you going to connect with them? Maybe just a call every week, but make sure that you have a call to say, I'm still here. I'm still the same person. Uh, I know it's an adventure going to a different country, but don't forget the people uh, that you've left behind. You can live in expat bubbles, but people come and go and I think you really have to integrate with who's around you and you know see who's living in your community and and how you're going to interact with that community whether it's through sport or whether it's through I don't know meeting people walking the dogs but you have or into the shops you have to be able to communicate I don't know a lot of it's really tricky when I mean we came because of my husband's job but I also had a senior job in in, in England and I wasn't in a corporate environment and I couldn't easily navigate you know the scene that that level so it's I found it really difficult to find out how I was going to work in the Netherlands and I'm not sure I really cracked that only to get your Dutch courses and then find out where, what you really want to do but I'm I'm now in a much stronger place to be able to see what opportunities I've got in front of my nose and actually be confident enough to go and explore them. Yes. Um, and I didn't realise that at the time. I was scared. I think mm. I had a fear and I didn't really know what I was afraid of. I, I, I don't know, maybe exposing yourself. I think you feel a bit more vulnerable going out, not being able to communicate even yeah, though everyone cause... speaks English, it's silly, really, when I think back about it. But it's about having the confidence to speak the language and 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 remain who you are, really.
0: And I guess being able to speak the language, read the language, understand the language was that very much a part of the ability to feel like the Netherlands was home for you, as well, opposed another... to living in a you know in somebody else's land.
1: That's that's an interesting point uh, because I didn't really feel that I belonged. You feel as though you are an expat, and, uh, and in fact, a lot of people say, "Oh, how long are you staying? Is this a long-term plan?" Because they don't want to invest in the relationships with you either. Yeah, of they think that, they, you're not, um, that you're not that you're not going to be staying around a lot. So even if I didn't know how long we were staying, I I I used to say, "Oh, yeah, we we bought a house, and yeah, no, it's our long-term plan." But then, with Brexit and everything, I'm really pleased that i'm I'm here and I'm in a progressive sort of country. And uh, I don't feel as though I did actually think that I belonged in this country. and 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 now I'm feeling as though I have every right to be here as 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 anyone. And I feel with my kids, I mean they they identify themselves as being Dutch, and my family are here. and so it's about actually setting your roots down. Uh, and saying actually i'm comfortable with that and this is where i am and that feels okay mm. i don't think i had that before um and you know i celebrate the you know dutch a lot of dutch things actually but the dutch celebrations that uh are here we've got some great dutch friends and uh, we have integrated and it's it's feeling okay
0: oh that's fantastic so, would you say you have a stronger sense of your of yourself now more than you had than at the point at which you left the UK? There's that sort of whole episode, and you know, being able to to uh, bring that to you to that you that you know yourself so much I, better
1: I, I, now. I don't know if I feel a stronger sense of self. Um, I've done a lot of sort of searching and self. Um, trying to find out who I I think I've got more of a a connection with who I was uh, looking back Uh, but through doing sort of a lot of the uh, living the change journey and the coaching yeah I'm beginning to uh, to have a much stronger sense of self now so I'll be stronger than before but it's first refinding who you once were I'd lost myself in a different country I really had uh, and didn't realise how bad it had got until I looked at that book I was like what am I doing (laughs) how has Mm -hmm. it got like this it just became it was insipid in a way
0: so what sorts of things did you do once you'd kind of had that realisation of gosh I've I've lost I've lost myself I've lost connections what Um, sorts of things did you do to to help sort of combat that
1: well you you reconnect with yourself and uh i mean the, having a job um here was great because i felt as though i was you know a participant in the country you know i was uh, working and uh, i had a team and I, oh this is what it it was like <laughs> so that felt really good looking at, uh, I used to love art. So, you know, looking at the amazing art galleries that they've got in the Netherlands, um, reconnecting with art, um, I was already playing quite a lot of sport. uh, So sport has always been a constant for me in the Netherlands. And if I didn't have sport, I don't know what I would have had. Just sort of embracing embracing the national days, support, you know, I went to the Grand Prix and supported Max Verstopper in the in the Grand Prix, which feels good. And just trying to explore a bit more and 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 land and you know embrace the Netherlands as as the place. But I also have a weekly call now with my brothers and my sister. Um, and that's really great. And I know the friends that I keep in touch with and it's just being conscious to really pick up the phone it really is just a phone call um, and I'm going to be really conscious about uh, uh, keeping in touch and going to England and seeking out the people I really want to see and I'm doing some fun things with the kids as well re-establishing yeah I went bowling this week in half term and that just felt good just to do just simple things and we you know uh, like eating out, and so my kid, two of my kids, uh, one lives in Amsterdam, one lives in Rotterdam. And so, ring them up and say, Oh, do you fancy meeting for lunch? and uh, making sure I now connect with the family that I've got here as well, uh, which uh, feels good.
0: Yeah, that connection is also important, isn't it? Yeah. So, from the book, was there sort of one particular thing that you found really useful? Was it the going back and identifying kind of those those losses in your life or was there something else that, that you found useful?
1: It's funny because the book lets you write letters to people, <laughs> to who you have lost. And I've lost quite a lot of people uh, in my life. Even, um, you know, when I was 12, my, my friend's mum died of, of breast cancer. Um, and so it makes you look at all the losses that you have had um, or even sort of unfinished conversations that you've had and so I ended up in fact not really grieving for my mum or focusing the loss on my mum at all but lots of other things uh, that had happened uh, in my life. I don't know it was silly really sort of a letter to my first boyfriend was I mean to him you know that kind of thing or and 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 looking at how uh, grief has affected me over my life but I've been very open about a uh, loss of people and thought so it's a very natural process. But this book has been incredibly amazing in focusing what you have lost, really pinpointing what is it that you've lost about that relationship or that person? Is it a conversation or is it their presence that they're not here anymore? Or is it a hug or is it, yeah, mm-hmm. something like that? Um, so it really... Pinpoints, and then you go, oh, that's why I'm feeling like I'm feeling, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, it's that acknowledgement that it's that of understanding why you're feeling like that, and that it is, it is okay to. It sounds like there's a lot of kind of almost tying up of of loose ends, and I guess that's maybe where sometimes the sort of stronger emotions around grief kind of almost get stuck because there is it's often in relation to as you say those unfinished conversations or maybe not not even unfinished not the conversations not had yeah and yeah yeah, so it sounds very much like there was a lot of sort of within that some some tying up of of loose ends in in various relationships or times of your life yeah
1: I'm I'm finding it quite tricky at the moment because my aunt and uncle aren't very well and uh, I yeah in the last 11 years I haven't seen a lot of them and I feel that that's a real loose end that I really don't know what to do with uh, how to help or you know or how to but I, I, I will think about that before it's it's too late uh, see how to deal with that. I, from my expat sort of friends a lot of People found that the most difficult when when loved ones become ill and they are far away. Um, and how are you going to be involved and what can you do and everything? It, it is a really tricky thing. I was very lucky with with my mum that I could, uh, I, I've, I've been lucky anyway, just being able to live in this country and not have to worry about having to work. You know, I've been in a very, I'm very grateful for the position I was in. And that I could just have the freedom to go and help when I, I could help. And that was amazing. But not everybody can do that. And especially for people who are living, you know, on the other side of the world or yeah. uh, with uh, long haul travel. Because uh, the other thing uh, that a lot of people say is that when you go home, it's not a holiday. When you go home, it's sort of like speed dating with friends yeah. and family and uh And certainly for a lot of my friends, my American friends, uh, they it's expensive to go home. They go home, but then they still don't get the holiday because they're seeing family and friends and trying to make all those connections. But then you have a you only have a budget uh, for so much and maybe you can't do the holidays as well. So that is your holiday. So it's trying to balance Connection, family, and friends, but also getting some time with your family, your your immediate family as well on holiday. So trying to navigate that as well, you just have to think about things a a bit differently.
0: And the the whole letter writing thing is is really is really powerful, isn't it? I know it's something that that I did. In fact, I did it again quite recently, maybe about two or three years ago. Really sat down and one day and wrote a letter to my husband you know by that I think he because it's been 23 years now so I think it was maybe 19 20 years point that I sat down and wrote a letter and gosh I found it very cathartic to do didn't realize I I proper sobbed for a good good couple of hours I didn't I surprised myself as to how much was still you know still there to come out but I I really felt like I covered a lot of ground in the in the letter that I wrote and you know obviously he he will never read that but you know there's the the energy attached to it isn't there and and I've actually put it away in a in a box and you know my daughter can choose to to read it if she if she ever wishes to and that might sort of help her understand some of our relationship the relationship I had with her father. So I yeah it felt a, a very a very good thing to do
1: wow yeah it, it's it's incredible isn't it the power of of that um process i've um i i spoke to my sister a couple of weeks ago and in fact she got different messages from the book but she ended up uh writing a three-page letter to mum recently and her daughter uh, came in she said don't mind me i'm going to cry all the way through this but i just have to do this and and she she felt that she really got an awful lot out of her mm-hmm. system and uh, unfinished conversations that she wanted to have with mom and things and oh i think it's been an amazing book it's uh, it helped so many people in so many different ways um but i was just blown away what it it meant for me i, I didn't i didn't realize yeah what a journey I'd been on really. It gave me a time to reflect and uh, it's like that helicopter view, isn't it, of your life. You go, you you come at, away from it and you look at it and you go, oh, these were the good things and these were the, the difficult things and uh, what do I make of all of that? And it was a, a different perspective and a different lens to see it uh, in terms of loss. It was, uh, it, it was really incredible
0: and sounds very much like it was that kind of catalyst for you really finding that that balance of of being able to feel at home in the netherlands and and sort of properly settle into your life there
1: yeah but also to be really grateful for what i have yeah. um here and what what have i been doing for the last 11 years in this sort of maybe negative head or 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 rebelling against it all maybe that this isn't my this isn't where I belong why am I still here I don't know what was going on for me but uh, I now think I've flipped it and I now think of it as a place of I'm really pleased I'm here and uh, all the opportunities and why why have I made it so difficult for myself Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah sometimes
0: when we're in the thick of it we don't even see it in in those terms do we (laughs) we don't recognize it so it takes that that action of um i don't know, following the grief recovery handbook or having some coaching or some counseling where you actually sit down and really examine your your life and what you're doing that actually you get those moments of um of light bulbs pinging off and then you can go ah oh, yeah i need to change a few things here <laughs>
1: I've got other friends that you know arrived and they they've explored every inch of the Netherlands and uh, really really enjoyed it and had a great time and managed to set themselves up and uh, get out there and learn the language but it depends on your personality I guess guess, uh, how much get up and go how much inherent confidence you have uh, how you view yourself and if you're on a mission to to you know with a cause or whatever, you get out there and you just do it um, and get out of your comfort zone. I just had too too big a comfort zone, I think, in my own house. And
0: uh, Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also, I think when we go through, you know, because obviously that was losses that you were experiencing, but you weren't consciously experiencing them at that time. So perhaps also that was, they were just losses that were being sort of layered on top of, of other losses that you that you'd had in your life, not necessarily bereavements, but you know just all all those things that are just different different layers, and that's they're all the things that you then have to unpick when you have those that moment of awareness of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I told my husband, I said,
1: "Oh, you know." Th- um, this book is amazing, but it, uh, why is it, and he, he, and I, but I don't know why it's so negative in the Netherlands. And he says, oh, Sarah, why is it always so negative? You know, he's, he's always come at it as, you, you know, really happy to be here and get on with it and just do it and, uh, and everything. It just didn't feel that easy for me, but uh, I'm hoping with, a, 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 now uh, this insight and a more positive head that, uh, it'll be a more positive future from now on. And I can yeah, finally just settle into settle into it instead of fighting it.
0: Oh, fabulous. So with your coaching certification that you're doing, is that something that you want to use to help other expats?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet, because uh, it's about trying to find your uniqueness, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And what you can offer. Um, i i decided that uh, to stop nursing uh, it actually wasn't working in the balance with my family at the time but um i th- i was i'm always interested in people and people's stories and um how to and and perspectives and everything and i thought oh i can do nursing in a different way and it doesn't have to be uh, me physically looking after somebody in the hospital and coaching has opened up this huge space to be able to be creative and curious, uh, but also help people on a profound level. Um, I'm not sure uh, what my niche is going to be yet. Um, certainly I would, I'm going to do it in English. So maybe a coach just for people who want to do it in English in the Netherlands, that could be something, or trying to um, combine something with my nursing and coaching uh, prevention of autoimmune diseases sort of in dermatology or or even long long corona I worked in the corona uh, ward or and there's quite a lot of people who are really suffering after corona with energy and everything and I'm also uh, enrolled on a course that inner inner voice dialogue uh looking at our inner critics and uh, uh and our sub personalities and i really want to find out certainly interested in the ang- what makes people really angry and things and anger management so i i have a few ideas but wow. uh i'm not sure yet uh of where i'm going to make a difference um in the netherlands they have a lot um of investment in burnout uh, they have burnout clinics insurers play pay for sort of prevention from burnout oh. um, and everything so i'm going to find i need to do the research and find out uh what it looks in a in a dutch model and see if i can get involved in something like that but offering it to uh people who want to do it in english rather than in dutch and and see what happens there but i'm not sure yet but uh, i'm excited about the journey i just need to become certified
0: as a coach first oh alan well, i'm, I'm oh, sure okay. that, you know i'm sure with all your experience that um that you've gained and you know you you speak so eloquently about it all that i'm sure getting your certification will happen so yes I wish you, you know do do let us know what how what you decide to to work in so just sort of reflecting back you know this is a podcast about lessons from loss so what would you say has been your biggest lesson from the you know the realization of the the losses that you that you experienced um
1: uh, my biggest lesson was yeah how how did i get into such a negative head i guess letting my inner critic take over i, I guess I didn't realize uh, what an impact loss of connection to myself, to my loved ones, to my language it, yeah, had had made. And if I could help anyone, it would be uh, learn the language of your country, try and integrate and develop some support networks where you are living, uh, don't forget the people. Uh, at home uh, don't forget who you are and be open and curious about becoming somebody new in your in, in speaking another language uh, this is not replacing your identity it's you have to be in a growth in a growth uh, period to to embrace it and embrace your new skills and your and speaking another language don't lose your identity yeah
0: Oh, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your experiences and all the, you know, everything that you've you've learned from it. It's you know, it's such a positive thing that's that's come out of of all of this. And you know, and like you, I also thoroughly recommend the the grief recovery handbook which is by John James and Russell Friedman, if anybody is is interested in reading it, that's listening to the podcast. So wish you all the very best with your coaching certification and your inner voice dialogue course. And yeah, do let us know how you get on and, and what area of work you choose to work in. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sarah, for showing us that grief and loss aren't always evidence and can sometimes fall below the radar. So, if something doesn't feel quite right in your life, then maybe that's a route to explore. I hope you found it useful. Thank you to everyone who supports me in the production of this podcast, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and of course to you, the listener. Please take care, and I'll be back soon with another lesson from loss.